Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you are well. All is well. God is on his throne. The world gets crazier every single day. And it also gets, I get, I'm going to use the word crazy, but uh, to avoid uh, more truthful words um, uh, within the church. God is on his throne. He is building his church. You know, I don't know. Uh, that we've ever had a worse time. People say, well, the church has gone through these things before. I don't know that it has, personally. Um, I think we're in the worst time we've ever been in. And it is since 2,000 years, and it is the record of Scripture that in the last times, the end of time, uh, the days would grow more evil, hearts would grow evil within the church, uh, everything that's written in Scripture is happening. Um, Our Lady's approved uh, uh, apparitions, her words, all of it is happening. And the only thing for us to do, beloved, is to live our faith as if it is true, because it is true, and make no compromises, absolutely none. And let's live in the world knowing that we are the only hope for the world. We are the only hope for the world. And those who rebel in every single way have no hope in their hearts. They have no reason for existence. Um, And we need to show them that there is a reason. Um, I remember back in, oh my goodness, uh, 1970s, mid-1970s, from my Jewish background, when I was going through a time where I wasn't sure that God existed. There was no reason to for life on earth. And I met these wonderful Jews for Jesus, evangelical Protestants, who over a year and a half led me to Christ. And the only reason I followed them, because they were, a, they were an embarrassment, Jews who believe in Christ. I had no understanding of it. And I thought they were really disturbed. But they lived a faith that I knew they would die for. And... Um, I remember one time we were coming from some event and I was with them and they had a, a, a Jews for Jesus bus. Oh, I, I just thought I'd die to be in that bus with, that said Jews for Jesus. I'm a Jew, but I'm not for Jesus, I said. I just would duck my head below the window and nobody would see me. They wouldn't know me anyway, but I, I just something. So after the event, we were going back to the bus and the back of it was open Uh, Somebody had opened it and tampered with the engine because they had many enemies, those Jews for Jesus. Um, So I went with a couple to see what was wrong, and the head of the group shouted at me, Rosalind, Rosalind Moss, my name, Rosalind, get away from there. Not you. We know where we're going. You don't know where you're going. I never forgot that. He was so serious. Get away from there. If there is a bomb and it blows up, we know where we're going and you don't. Oh, I, I, that really struck me. Everything they lived 
what they did, what they did not do, spoke of the faith that they believed and lived by. Um, and you may say you believe, but if you don't live by it, you don't believe. You just have an intellectual assent, but you do not believe. What we believe is what we live. So, dear ones, we've never been in a, um, a greater time of need for us to know our faith, to live it, to be witnesses in the world, and to protect our families from the world by living the faith at home. I've begged you many times to get your children out of school, definitely public school and uh, most Catholic schools. You, you need to... Um, um, you would need to know exactly what's being taught in those Catholic schools. Uh, no sex ed, no gender ideology, nothing like that. If it's taught, you need to pull your children out. And you need to live the faith at home. Um, so um, I, I'd like to go back this morning to uh, our book, um, This is the Faith. And the faith defined and explained is where we left off before. And I'm just going to repeat um, the definition of faith defined and explained. And um, Canon Ripley has broken it down to six points. And we've, we've uh, gone through the first five. I'll pick up on the sixth. He says, faith is a supernatural gift of God. That's it, beloved. It's a gift. We can't boast. If we say, well, I believe, well, how come they don't believe? I don't know how come they don't believe. I don't know how come I do believe. It's a total, pure gift of God. Faith is a supernatural gift of God by which one chooses reasonably. God says, come, let us reason together. We choose with our minds reasonably to believe most firmly all that God has revealed because God must know the truth and is incapable of telling a lie. You say, you mean there are things God is incapable of? Absolutely. I have a whole book on them. Things God cannot do. And one of them is that he cannot tell a lie. So faith is a supernatural gift. It's of God by which one chooses, we choose reasonably um, to believe. And the point, uh, the final point is we believe most firmly it's not wishy-washy. It's not, I hope so. We believe it. If, if we don't, how can we give our lives for it? <clears throat> and if we won't give our lives for it, I'm telling you, we won't, will not live it. We'll be in the world and of the world instead of being in the world and not of the world. Canon Ripley says, it is to be expected that many of the things which God reveals are beyond reason. Nature is full of mysteries. The seed, for instance, falling to the ground and in a few years growing into a great tree. And it is certainly as reasonable to expect mysteries in religion as it is to expect them in nature or physical science. Indeed, if religion had no mysteries and were perfectly and fully comprehensible, its divine origin would be open to suspicion. What can be fully proved from reason might well have been discovered by reason. Belief in mysteries tends vastly to increase our reverence for God. When a child is afraid to go out in the dark, its father says, give me your hand and come with me. The child is satisfied. It does not ask for a scientific explanation of the darkness. So we ought not to wish to understand the impenetrable 
mysteries of God. He is love, wisdom, and goodness. We put our hand in his, knowing he cannot lead us astray. And then we must believe, seven, all that God has revealed. All, beloved, all. If you say, well, I'm Catholic, there's just one thing I don't believe. That Now, if it's a point that somebody's opinion, that may, doesn't matter. But if it's a point that the church teaches infallibly, if it's a matter of doctrine, and you say, well, it's the only thing I don't believe, you are not Catholic. You mean just, I, I believe a hundred things. One thing makes me not a Catholic? Yes. One thing makes, because you are making yourself the authority above the church. It's reasonable to say the church teaches this. I don't understand it. I need to understand why it's true. That's humility and that's faith. Because you, you believe that the church is the church Christ founded. And therefore it's infallible and true and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. If you don't believe one thing, you say, well, I'm not, I'm not sure of it. Well, then you're not Catholic. Why aren't you sure of it? Because you have to figure it out yourself? No, you're not God. You can be sure of it because the Catholic Church teaches it, if it's an infallible teaching. And you say, well, the Pope has gone against this, and he said this, Pope's not infallible. And the Pope, this particular Pope that has caused so much confusion in the Church, has not taught one thing that is binding on the faithful. If he did, and it were heresy, he'd be out. Not one thing. We need to believe all that God has revealed, and he has revealed it through his church, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. It is the fashion, Canon Ripley says, <clears throat> nowadays outside the Catholic church to pick and choose one's beliefs. All of God's revelation must be accepted. Any other course is unreasonable. The Catholic Church never panders to the fashion of the moment in the belief she demands of her children. She stands always by what reason proves to be divine revelation, and from it she will never deviate by one hair's breadth. Now again, certain of her prelates today, the Pope included and bishops, seem to be deviating and are. But they're not changing the faith. They have no power to change the faith. The faith is not a toy for anybody to play with. It is the faith once delivered to the saints. There is no revelation past the, the apostles. It was ceased with the death of the last apostle. There is a development of doctrine, but there is no further revelation. Private revelation that is approved by the church is, does not add to doctrine. It has to uh, square with Scripture and everything the Church teaches. Um, the Church stands always by what reason proves to be divine revelation, and from it she will never deviate by one hair's breadth. There's the music. For our break, beloved, you are welcome to call in any time during this hour, toll-free, one 877 511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com We'll be right back.
Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show. Weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. That's the Catholic Drive Time. Weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. We look forward to joining you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. Praise be to Jesus. May God love you. This is Jesse Romero, host of Jesus 911, heard weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. I'm joined each day by a variety of co-hosts like Ruben Nava, Paul Clay, Dan Schneider, and my amazing wife, Anita Romero. We tackle Catholic devotions, spiritual warfare, family life, saving America, and everything in between. Join us each weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Jesus 911. You can also catch a bonus encore Saturdays at noon Eastern. God bless you. Keep the faith. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. Keep up to date with the shows we bring you each day on the Station of the Cross by viewing our programming grid on our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News. I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to be with you. And um, I just repeat that you're welcome to call in anytime uh, during the entire hour, toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have Michelle from Pennsylvania on the line. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Mother. How are you? I'm terrific. How about yourself? I'm fine. I had a question about um, chapel veil etiquette. Um, I'm in my 60s. I'm married and have two children. Um, back in the day, it used to be that if you were, you were white, if you were single and unmarried, and darker colors if you were older. And does that still apply now? Um, I, you know, I've not heard that um, concerning chapel veils. I've not heard that concerning chapel veils. Um, I don't know that... Um, I've never thought that our Lord would have us make that announcement through a chapel veil. You know what I'm saying, whether we're single or not. Uh, I think that could be a distraction if that were the division of why we wore white or black or other colors. Um so, Michelle, I, I don't know that. I don't know that, but um, 
I believe everyone should wear a chapel veil, and I, I think it should be white or black. There, there are all kinds of fancy colors to match the fashion today, and all kinds of designs. I, I think that's giving in to a certain amount of modernism. I don't say it's wrong. Some of them, many of them, or maybe all of them, are really beautiful, but it's not supposed to be a fashion statement that you match the veil to your clothing. Um, it's simply a sign of reverence for God, and I, I don't like all the fashion colors, I don't, all of that. I think it should be just white or black. In fact, growing up in the synagogue, it was only black. It was only black. Um, and I recall when people would go to meet um, Pope St. John Paul II, he wanted them to wear black. So I would just say veils should be black, end of story. Uh, maybe white you know, for communion, for a, a young lady with her first communion children. But so for children to wear white, I, I, that certainly seems appropriate to me, Michelle. Um, but I think adults should just stay with black. And maybe you're right, children. I don't know that it has to do with one's marriage or not, but maybe children should wear white and adults should wear black. I'm, I shouldn't say should, <clears throat> because I really don't know. But um, but I I I think that they, they've grown into fashionable wear is um, for me it's it's very it's disturbing and a little heartbreaking because it's it's not for people it's not for show it's not for fashion it's for God right um, I had an incident um, twice. These people in the church, um, I came back from communion, and I glanced at the guy behind me, and he was looking at me, and he was sh shaking his head. He looked at his sister, and then when she met his eyes, he shook his head. And I'm thinking, is it because I'm wearing a white chapel veil? Is it because I'm in Vatican II, and they're discouraging it? Or I didn't know how to take it. What do you mean you're in Vatican II? Um, it, it, it's the Norvis Odo Mass um, that I oh, went so to. Oh, so so they're thinking and, you're you're a traditionalist in the Novus Ordo Mass. Either that, or maybe it was the color I was wearing. I don't know. <laughs> I was okay, wearing well, a white veil. Yeah, white veil. Hurt my feelings fine. a little. I didn't know how to take it. It hurt your feelings. Yeah. No, don't let it hurt your feelings. We're, we don't um, don't take things against yourself. When someone shakes their head, it's a comment of where they're at, not where you're at. Don't worry about that. If someone shakes their head and think you're one of those old trads or whatever they think, uh, just pray for them. Just smile, be who you are, and and pray for them. Say, Lord, help their hearts. That's all. Don't don't feel bad. It's not an attack against you. It's a statement of their ignorance, really, of where they're at. It's not a problem. Thank you, Mother. I appreciate it. Okay, Michelle. God bless you, dear. Um, we have my brother Kurt from Boston on the line. Hi, dear one. How you doing, Mother Miriam? Yeah, I'm um, doing great. Well, I, I, I have a few things. Hopefully I can put it all together. Everybody says, you know, these aren't the worst of times and blah, blah, blah. And I say, well, let's look at it. We have 2,000 years of Christianity as a backdrop. And yet, you know, I, I always say sin starts in the mind. So if you can confuse a human being of what gender they are, and then 
talk about dialogue in the church to the extent where it just is an infinite dialogue and nothing gets changed. I, I I'm in a couple of men's groups, a pro-life group, and people, I constantly hear this, Mother, it's, well, you got to meet people where they are. I said, you certainly do. And then you hit them right between the eyes with the truth because... Well, hold on, Kurt, hold on, Kurt, hold on. You are an instrument of our Lord. And we certainly meet people where they are. That's what Jesus did. He met us. I know it's exactly what you're saying. I'm not correcting you, but it's the manner that uh, Jesus, uh, he met us where we were to bring us to God. And that's what we need to do with other people. And some people God has made to hit people between the eyes, and you're one of them. (laughs) But that's not always the best approach to evangelization. I agree with you. So I'm trying to be, I'm trying to temper my, my emotion towards my faith. May I say well, it that he, way? Yes, that's a good way to say it, Kurt. But you see, if you meet people where they are and then hit them between the eyes, you're not meeting them where you, there are. Then it's not genuine. See, if you really walk beside them where they are, then you understand them. And if someone believes they're understood, then they will follow you to the full truth. Okay, so like, for instance, I'm in a pro-life group, okay? And out of five masses, they only raised $1,265. And we got to, you know, explaining the the whys and the whos and the whats about it. And I simply said, people are afraid to say they're pro-life in a Catholic church because they might have to sign something or show it in public. So I said, we need to hear it from the pulpit, which I did. I couldn't believe it. On Corpus Christi, I heard the priest say 70% of Catholics do not believe in the real presence, which was great. I'm hearing more of the uh, Gregorian hymns. I heard the Pange Lingua sung in Latin, which I love. And, you know, we can do all these things and show our reverence to the, to the Lord. Now, at this meeting... You know, someone was saying, well, Kurt, you got to meet people where they are and you got to dialogue with them and you got to be very gentle. And, and I'm saying, yes, you do. But at the end of the day, after 50 years of dialoguing That's right. and talking and talking about, you know, sweet talk and emotions. I'm with you, Kurt. People, I said, if people are losing their faith, then aren't we all like the wicked servant hiding that talent? Everyone, I try to You're tell right. people. I'm with you all the way. I'm with you all the way, dear one. Yes, I'm with you all the way. Again, um, we don't need to, to not hide the talent and to speak the truth, yet we need to speak the truth in love. Right. And, and so, Okay. So we want people rejecting the truth. We don't want them rejecting, but if they reject it, let them reject the truth and not our presentation. That's the point. Right, because what I also said was to this um, to this woman I was talking. They she, they were bringing up the history of the church and uh, Saint Agnes and Alex, and she says, "Oh, look at the beautiful altar." And I says, "Yeah, and look at that beautiful altar rail. We should bring it back." And she we says, should, "There's should. no separation." And she said, there's no separation between us and God. I says, oh, there certainly is. That's why we have sacraments, because if we can't reconcile ourselves That's to right. God. And show of course our there's a separation between. 
That's right. Right. Kurt, I love you. I, I can't let you keep on because we have emails and, and other other callers coming in. So I love you. I agree with I agree with you, my brother. Um, God bless you. Um, and I know you'll call in again. Is there a last one little point you want to make very quickly? Oh, Okay, sorry, Kurt. I don't know if you were dropped or, or what happened. I'm so sorry about that. Um, I never want to cut anybody off, but um, um, okay, all right. Uh, okay, anyway, let me, let me uh, take an email here. Um, we have an email from uh, Alberta who says, Dearest Mother Miriam, I am an Italian woman, a family doctor, a wife and a mother of three little children uh, of four years, two years, and eight months. Oh, God bless you. I write for personal advice. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> My marriage is weak since we did not marry. Well, she says since we did not marry out of God's will. Well, I think you if your marriage is weak, it's because you married out of God's will. That's what I'm thinking. It doesn't make sense. She says, I have the conviction in conscience that God called me to a different vocation. Nevertheless, I got married. My husband is a good man. Now, I don't know what you mean that he called you to a different vocation, um, Alberta, um, because... Everyone is called to marriage. He has made us to marry, to marry and to procreate and to populate the earth. Everyone is, is called to do that. Um, we don't have to be called to marriage. We are made for marriage to raise saints for the kingdom. But we might be, have a special call, let's say, to religious life. Um, she says, my husband is a good man. I am trying to discern if I am called to leave my job, which is a huge sacrifice for me. I don't know if I am called to be a stay-at-home wife since I have a talent as a doctor. You know, if you're married without children, it's one thing. If you have children, you are called to be a stay-at-home mom, that's for sure, regardless of your talents. She says, we live in Italy, which is a bit different from America. Homeschooling here is uncommon. I also wonder if my job, which involves more responsibility than my husband's job, will create a wall between us spouses. As you can imagine, truthfully, I do not love him with my full heart, but I chose to stay at his side for our children's sake, even though many priests have advised me to investigate the nullity of my marriage. In short, she says, I think homeschooling could be important, but I was not made for marriage, and now I do not know how to cope with something that I've really found is not for me, that is, being a wife and a mother. I feel like I'm acting in a role. Please help me find peace in God. God bless you, Alberta. Alberta, I will answer you completely as soon as we come back from this the break. Rather, um, your email is uh, very serious, very important. 
Um, we'll be right back, beloved. Feel free to call in during the break with anything on your heart. Toll free, one 511 or email at mother at We'll be right back. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for June 23rd. Today we celebrate Saint John Fisher. John Fisher was a man of learning and influence who spent much of his life surrounded by the powerful people of his day. He served his church as a priest, bishop, and cardinal. He took special interest in raising the standard of preaching in England and was an accomplished preacher and writer himself. His eight books against heresy gave him a leading position among European theologians. In 1527, he was asked to study the issues surrounding Henry VIII's marriage to Catherine of Aragon and the king's desire to divorce her and marry Anne Boleyn. Fisher defended the validity of the king's first marriage and rejected Henry's claim to be the supreme head of the Church of England. Enraged, the king summoned him to take the oath of allegiance to the new act of succession. The cardinal refused, on the grounds that the act presumed Henry's divorce was legal and that his claim to be head of the English church was valid. Charged with high treason and condemned to death, John Fisher was executed in 1535. His body was left to lie all day on the scaffold, and his head hung on London Bridge. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. Um... We have a whole half hour before us. Our lines are open, and you're welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. Toll free, one 511 5483 You may text at that number as well, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We've just read an email by Alberta. Alberta is an Italian woman, a family doctor, a wife and mother of three little children, ages four, two, and eight. Um, <clears throat> Alberta's writing because she feels that she was not called to marriage um, and that her marriage is weak. Um, she didn't marry within God's will, but doesn't explain that, uh, what that means, if, if she's Catholic, if her husband's Catholic, or what all that is about. Um, 
She said her husband's a good man, um, but she's trying to discern if she's called to leave her job, which is a huge sacrifice, um, whether she's called to be a stay-at-home wife uh, because she has a talent as a doctor um, and so forth. And she's written that she does not love her husband with her whole heart, but chooses to stay by his side for the sake of his children. Alberta, I understand this has come. I I do not believe God has called you to another vocation. You got married. That is your vocation. Regardless of what you think he may have called you to or didn't call you to, you are now called to marriage. That is your vocation. You are called to be a mother. You have three children. That is your vocation. Um, If you're Catholic, if you were married, I don't know if you were married within the church, but you don't stay at your husband's side for the sake of the children. Um, You are to put your husband above the children, before the children. The only way the children will learn love is if they see you love their father. Um, The only way they will learn learn their faith is if they see you live it at home. Um, Alberta, this is a a very short, quick response to your email. I do think you should leave your job. Hopefully your husband's uh, job can support your family, and if not, um, you might be able to work just very few hours during the week. If you have an eight-month-old, I don't think you should leave the home at all, and a two-year-old and a four-year-old. I think you should stay home fully, and uh, you might have a little office in your home, where you can keep up uh, uh, semblance of your practice or put a little um, uh, suite attached to your house that can be your office, and you stay at home. Um, As long as you live in two worlds, Alberta, you will never be a fit mother and you will never be a fit wife. Don't go by your emotions. If you do what is right, your emotions will follow. If you quit your job, again, if you want to build a little office in your home and see patients during certain hours of the week, that's okay. But you don't want to be out of the home. You don't want anyone else to raise your children. Um, And you don't want your husband staying home to raise them. Children need their mom. You need to leave your job. You need to be at home, full-time mom, 24-7, raise your children and love your husband don't worry about your emotions if you dive in to live the vocation god has given you um don't regret the past you cannot figure that out your vocation is marriage you are married you have three children and don't second guess anything if you leave your husband uh you'll be in sin before god and it will not help your children to leave your husband uh, the priests that have suggested you have an annulment, um, I'm not, uh, I can't even imagine that. Um, uh, Alberta writes, uh, truthfully, I do not love him with my full heart. No, you don't. You don't even love your children with your full heart, sweetheart, if you're not at home with them. <clears throat> if you put your so-called talent before being a mother and giving your life for your children and your husband. Um, you, you'll never love them with your full heart. Don't, don't describe love as an emotion. It's a commitment. And Alberta says, um, 
Many priests have advised me to investigate the nullity of my marriage. I cannot imagine one priest to do that. Not even one. If you can't take care of your children uh, and be at home with them, with your husband, how are you going to do it without him? You're going to put your children in daycare or have somebody raise them for you it's, and, and ha- rob them of their father? You have said nothing, in your email at least, Alberta, that would indicate you should leave your husband. You said he's a good man. You don't love him with your whole heart. But the, you, you don't live a vocation based on feelings, but based on commitment. If you quit your job <clears throat> and before God, give yourself fully to your home, to your husband and your children, don't worry about your feelings. Give yourself fully to them, trusting that God has done this. This is your vocation. And if you think of it as anything else, you are under Satan's control. Don't do it. Uh, live at home fully. God will transform your feelings and your family. Um, With the information you've given me, Alberta, uh, you can't live in two worlds, and you're not living in two worlds. You are robbing of your your family, of their mother, and your husband of his wife. Um, If you wish to call in or write more descriptively that I can maybe uh, you know, help you assess things further, that would be fine. But according to what you've written, you need to go home and raise your family and learn to love your husband so the children can learn to love and respect their father and live as a family. <clears throat> Cheyenne is on the phone from Pennsylvania. Hi, Cheyenne. Hi. I called you before about religious life. It's the same Cheyenne. Oh, hi, sweetheart. How are you doing? Hi, good. Hello. Hello, honey. I would like to address the situation about praying the rosary that came up at my workplace. Okay. Um, I pray. I love to pray the rosary on my break at work. Okay. I think it's very calming to me. If I'm stressed out, my go-to thing is I need to pray the rosary. That's wonderful. Um, <clears throat> and I don't think they can say anything about it because I'm clocked out and um, I keep it very quiet. I, I'm not obnoxious. I'm not prideful Do you pray about it. it. I don't Let me ask you this. Do you pray it so others can see you? No, not, I try to hide myself. I try to make it as quiet as possible and hide and do it. And you, do you speak or even whisper it out loud? I say it, I, I, I quietly say it to myself. But can anybody, if I were sitting right next to you, could I hear you? Most likely not. I try to hide myself in the, um, in the office with the door closed, but... Um, we're not supposed to be in the manager's office with the door closed. Okay. Um, so I try to do that, but I try to keep it as quiet as possible. I speak, I speak it in a low voice. I speak it in a low voice using the audio from the Rosary on YouTube. I like to play it that way. Okay. <clears throat> so, okay, sweetheart, do you, does, it have, does it cause a problem for you? Um, the only thing that's ever been said to me was by one of my supervisors who um, said, um, well, you need to be careful about that because 
some people think that Catholicism is a cult and that bothered me. I didn't address that. I didn't know how to, what to say, so I stayed silent on that. And, um, but I thought if I do that, then I'm if I don't pray the rosary at work when I want to, am I suppressing my faith? Am I not? No, sweetheart. And I thought I need to defend my faith. No, no, honey. Um, At work, you're being paid to do a job. And so I, in your shoes, sweetheart, uh, I think you're praying the rosary during the break and all of that, keeping your mind on God is is a wonderful thing. But you need to be sure that um, you're not in your supervisor's office with the door closed because they don't want that. And if you watch it on YouTube and anybody around you can see that or hear it, uh, then you're really out of line. You need to pray it. Um, if it's going to be on YouTube, you you have to be sure that nobody can hear you or get earphones for the computer so that nobody could hear the sound at all. Okay, that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. All right. Because I've taken her into the... I, I, I very... And I was shaking, and I... And I and when I, I and I said I can't let this go. Maybe I should. I said I'll be as gentle as in my mind. I said I'll be as gentle as a lamb, and maybe I should talk to her about this. And I was no. physically trembling. No, sweetheart, don't bring. Don't make it an issue. It, it's true that some people think that the Catholic Church is a cult of Satan. I thought that before I was Catholic. As an evangelical Protestant, I try to get Catholics out of the church. So I understand that. <clears throat> but it's not a, it's not a, a, um, a way for you to uh, be a witness to the Catholic faith because you're in a secular environment and you're disturbing them if, if they say anything to you about it. So if you if you want to pray the rosary at work, I would respect respect them, respect your environment, and um, don't make it a place to preach your faith. Um, uh, yes, it, you preach by your your attitude, by your speech, by your love, by your being the best worker you could be. That's how you preach. And if someone gets you into a conversation about it, absolutely, but not by intruding in their space. Uh, uh, by the rosary or such like that. So I would say, sweetie, um, <clears throat> make sure that you're not disturbing anyone's space, you're not doing anything they don't want you to do, and just get headphones for the computer and don't whisper out loud. Don't don't say anything aloud. Uh, don't do it as quietly as possible. Just don't do it aloud at all um, and use headphones and that should be okay. And you're still being a witness. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, sweetheart. You take care and call in again, okay? It's good to hear from you, Cheyenne. Thank you, you too. Bye. Thank you, honey. Uh, we have Bernadette from Michigan on the line. Hi, Bernadette. Yeah. Hi, Mother Miriam. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thank, thank you. you. How all, about you? Thank you. Great. Thank you for all your, your advice. I'm just calling regarding your response to uh, Alberta and her marriage. Oh, you are. And all of that was great. Uh, I love what you had to say. I just wanted to add that you know, I've been married 43 years, and we've had our ups and downs, and luckily my husband will agree to pray with me, but mostly the rosary, and Bishop Sheen would say that um, he, at each of the marriages that he ever helped through, he would always ask them to do the rosary, and I really um, 
give credit to our blessed mother for our marriage in that regard. Wow. So if she could, if she could you know, get him to do it. If he can't, then just say it on the sidelines for the marriage. She has to do it daily for the marriage, purposely for that marriage. And that's kind of how ours was, too. I had to do it. My husband wouldn't even kneel to do prayers at the beginning. He would stand. And then it suddenly became kneeling. I would kneel. He would stand. And it, it helped with the kids. It helped with everything. So I really think on the rosary. Also, I would just like to throw in the story of Blessed Anna Maria Taiji. She had a husband who um, didn't treat her well. And she would always place him first because she was a woman of mystical gifts bishops and priests would come to her and when they came into the house and she served them food she would always serve her husband first so wow. i just wanted to add Anna Maria Taiji and the rosary to that okay bernadette i love you for that i think the, the issue with uh, with you you wanted to save your marriage alberta is not so sure about that in her case so it, it's a different situation for sure but your comments are uh, excellent and um I would also uh, hope that Alberta could pray the rosary aloud at night with her husband and her children, even that they could hear it right from a young age on. The four-year-old certainly could pray it with them. God bless you, Bernadette. And everyone, there's the music for our uh, last break, and it'll be our last segment coming back. Feel free to call in with anything on your heart, toll-free, one 877 5115483 and we'll be right back. Are you holding on to an old car or truck because you think dealers won't want it? Then consider donating it to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. This is a great way to turn your unvalued vehicle into a powerful gift for Catholic Radio. You'll be taking part in our evangelization efforts to continue spreading Christ's love throughout the world. Our Lord uses Catholic Radio to draw more people to Himself, and one of the best ways to support the Station of the Cross is by contributing to our vehicle donation program. The process is safe and simple. Your generosity will greatly benefit our mission to bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners. To find out more or to donate your vehicle today, visit thestationofthecross.com or call 1-866-628-CARS. That's the station of the cross.com or 1-866-628-2277. We the people are guaranteed five freedoms in the First Amendment. Freedom of speech. Freedom of religion. Freedom of the press. Freedom to peaceably assemble. Freedom to petition the government. Only the United States has these five freedoms so simply bound together and guaranteed. Think first. Learn more at thinkfirstamendment.org. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience, wherever you enjoy podcasts. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can find all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. 
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, and this is our last segment, about 10 minutes, and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free one 511 5483 or email at mother at dot com. Um, okay, let me just, um, we have an email here from uh, someone who writes in anonymously and says, Hi, Mother, I have a food addiction. I've been working the Overeaters Anonymous program for over 30 years off and on. Oh, dear. <clears throat> Um, also lately working for the Alcoholics Anonymous. I've been saying the rosary every day, but keep falling off. Do you think I could be possessed? And should I get an exorcist? I hope you have time to respond. God bless you, Mother. Your radio show is wonderful. Thank you. Uh, I do not think you're possessed. Um, I think your flesh, I think your flesh loves your, your, um, whatever it is, gluttony or um, whatever it is that um, uh, is is making you use food as your go-to, as an escape from temptation, uh, uh, healing for your emotions, all of that. Um, you, you could, I, I wish I, there's um I can't think of a book right now, but if you're you're on the internet, look up how to uproot your predominant fault with Francis de Sales. <clears throat> how to uproot your predominant fault with Francis de Sales? You know, Jesus said, "If your left eye um, 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 causes you to sin, cut, take it out. If your right arm, cut it off." In other words. He's not telling you to make your body lame. He's saying deal severely with sin. So Overeaters Anonymous um, is not working for you. Um, in fact, um, there was a, a funny statement I read once that cottage cheese, cottage, cottage cheese makes people fat because you always see heavy people eating it. It's funny. Um, there are people that just stay on diets their entire life. Um, like you're doing for the past 30 years. Um, it's not that Overeaters Anonymous is not good, it is, but the issue is not the demon, it's your own flesh. And yes, the devil jumps into our weaknesses, that's for sure, but you need to deal severely with your own temptations and your weaknesses. Think of Jesus on the cross. <clears throat> Think of him nailed to the cross every time you want to break your uh, Overeaters Anonymous routine or eat something that you've decided not to eat. Think of him on the cross and deal severely with that. Um, we all supposedly have a predominant fault. Um, Francis de Sales says, consider from time to time which passions are most predominant in your soul. When you have discovered them, adopt a way of life that will be completely opposed to them in thought, word, and action. Thought, word, and action. 
um, uh, so I would look that up because I'm on the website now. Um, it's uh, joyofdevotion.org, joyofdevotion.org, and the article is How to Uproot Your Predominant Fault with St. Francis de Sales. Um, <clears throat> I can't take the time to read the whole thing to you, but um, um, let me see. The predominant fault tends to prevail over the others, and thereby over our manner of feeling, of judging, sympathizing, willing, and acting. That's Father Reginald Garagut Lagrange. So ignorance of our predominant fault prevents our progress. And so um, that may be, um, uh, that's probably the root cause of why you are not able to be free of it. Uh, because you're ignorant of the root of that, the predominant fault that causes you to do that. Um, uh, St. Ignatius says, the enemy of human nature, roving about, looks in turn at all our theological, cardinal, and moral virtues. And where he finds us weakest and most in need for our eternal salvation, there he attacks us and attempts to take us. So... I would say you don't need an exorcist, but you need to be aware that the devil, the enemy, his minions are always around uh, looking for cheek in, chink in our armor. And, um, and that's, what, um, uh, that's what it is. Um, and the article says this is why focusing on our predominant fault is the fastest way to progress in the spiritual life. So one, you need to be able to discern. You're, you need to know that you have a predominant fault not if you have one, but what it is. And then you need to discern it. And then you need to focus on it and deal with that. And that will be the fastest way to your prog- progress. Um, the article says the pattern goes like this. The devil attacks us at a weak point. Then we fortify our defenses there. So he attacks our new weakest point, And we fortify our defenses there. You repeat this until you rarely sin and are totally united to God. Um, And the article goes on to help you to determine your predominant fault. It's hard work, and it says we can turn it into a virtue according to our predominant fault. We can turn into a virtue according to Father Garagou Lagrange, who is one of my heroes. Secondly, we can blame others or external circumstances when our predominant fault occurs, but that's, of course, avoiding um, avoiding the the issue, um, we can first determine what it is. That's not so difficult, but overcoming it it is hard. Um, we may not believe that the fight is winnable, and it is. Spiritual directors can discourage us in this fight. We underestimate the time and effort required to win this battle. Some things, dear one, are lifelong. Some things we will struggle with our entire lives. And he says, we haven't considered how much better our life would be if we conquer this temptation. So look up that article, How to Determine Your Predominant Fault. When was I most sad? When was I most frustrated? When was I most excited? What was the event that triggered this movement? What were the circumstances of the event? Um, And so forth. Um, And then how to fight it. It's very good. and the, it, there's a section at the end that says, it sounds like a lot, where do I start? So it, I, I think it would be very helpful to you. Okay, 
um, let's see, what's the, the heading again? It's on the website, joyofdevotion, one word, dot org, and the title is How to Uproot Your Predominant Fault with St. Francis de Sales. Okay, God bless you. Um, let me see now. We have an email from Sharon who writes, Dear Mother, so many of the large corporations are supporting abortion even to the point that they will assist financially. Is it wrong to buy from these companies? Sincerely, Sharon. Well, um, I, would, I would like to stay away from every company that promotes evil, for sure. And when I learn of one, I, I don't buy from them anymore. I want to say but, although there doesn't have to be a but, um, there's hardly a company free from moral evil. There's hardly a company free from it. And so you can stop buying from them, but eventually you have to stop buying from everyone. So uh, uh, what I would do is um, uh, try to be, as time goes on, especially now, as self-sufficient as you can be, as you can make your family, to grow your own food, your own supplies, as I've said before. Figure out how you're going to live without electricity, without dependence on others. Uh, start working on that now. You can buy from those companies uh, because there's hardly somebody who's not involved in evil in some way. Um, but I would say increasingly make yourself and your family safe and independent from this evil world. God bless you, dear ones, and we'll speak with you tomorrow.